When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 809, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are boosted and also vaccinated and then boosted. Get vaccinated first and then get boosted. That's the order you should do it. Pick of the Week, episode 809. My name is Connor Gilpatrick, and yes, I'm still sick. And sitting in with me... This is exciting. My script says it's Matt Damon, so the number should go up. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, spelled Matt Damon, but it's actually pronounced Josh Flanagan, and I'd like to apologize for that. Disappointing. Yeah, I, I know. I can never live up <laughs> to that sort of <laughs> a alpha male charisma. I know that. We are a fanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics. This week there was a lot of comics, and one of us picks the one that I like the best. We call it the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book. That's how we frame the show, and then we talk about other yep. books from the week, and then the mm-hmm. patron pick, and then right. hopefully at least one listener mail. Josh was ambitious, ambitious, and put three in the script. I like to have choices. We'll have a good time while doing it. That's the whole point of the show is to have a good time. Here's your spoiler warning. There'll be there'll probably be some spoilers here. This is a review show after all. Josh, you had to pick. I did. Uh, pick of the week is Fantastic Four number thirty-eight. Uh, I think I think it was basically the only contender. I uh, got I, I sort of was reading through my books and I got to Fantastic Four. You know, somewhere in the middle, and I, mm-hmm. I look forward to it. It's a thing we've talked about that a yes, lot. Sort of and books. I kind of at the beginning I thought I don't really remember where we left off. I felt like things sort of. Uh, I, I just like the big last story sort of ended and then we're here and and it was just a romp mm-hmm. uh it, basically uh, a man shows up at in the in the lobby uh and, and he basically uh wants to see the fantastic four he breaks his way and he serves them papers and you find out it is the wizard uh all of that is done much more um uh, um, imaginatively and interestingly, but basically, uh, the kid Bentley twenty three, who you would remember from the Future Foundation if you read it, or you would just know it because he's, of he's also been in the book with with yeah. he's one of Valeria's friends. Yeah, so uh, it, that's apparently a clone, a direct clone of the Wizard, and uh, they go to court, and in order to do so, they call in She Hulk uh, as their counsel, and she classic is no longer She Hulk. Classic She Hulk. She, she has. She has reverted. I mean, we've got, we're going to talk about Avengers later in the show, but I was so happy when I turned the page, and it was it was the classic uh, Jen Walters, you know, attorney at law, She Hulk, For, former Fantastic Four member. Yep. Um, she was in there, and you know, and they go to court, and that is when uh, that is when I thought, well, this is fun, and then it got way more fun in the courtroom. The it's a super powered judge. 
who is yeah. not brooking any of their BS, uh, <laughs> the wizard, and this is this cannot be overstated, shows up in his helmet, but also a matching purple suit. Um, yeah. And he's not, he's not at this point necessarily being evil. He's actually completely right about everything he says about how it's his kid and they're not really qualified to uh, raise a child. It goes through a bunch of different stuff. But it's it's one of those things like he's not he's not wrong about this. And then and then the other part that's really fun is that the Fantastic Four are very poorly behaved in court. Uh, at one point, uh, <laughs> at one point they get mad about something. Uh, is it El Diablo or just Diablo says uh, and and Sue they get a shocked look in her face and Sue says Ben you can say it he's like really and he says it's clobbering time and he jumps out because he's gonna beat up the guy in court and the judge is having none of it with her Kirby dots and weird powers and it just it was, it was <laughs> extremely silly and such a distraction I like uh, you know we've really enjoyed Dan Slott's good old superheroes gosh uh mm-hmm. application to this book but this is like a different thing it was you know it was it was both funny and zany and actually at the at the heart of it there was roots in it with like real issues with these kids and what it would be like it was just sort of all of those things at once and it, but it was mostly it was just a lark and it's it's not the it's the first part of a story i don't know how yeah. many um i'm, I'm hoping two i'm hoping two <laughs> parts because that's all that really needs to be done here uh, you know, and it ended with a big fight, you know, and, and, and the judge sort of puts everybody in contempt of court and holds them in an energy field. And I just, I had no expectations of it. I didn't, you know, I, I just started reading it and, uh, you know, pretty soon it was like, this is fun. You know, mm-hmm. I just had a ton of fun with it. Um, and it's what I, it's what I want. If I'm going to read a Fantastic Four book, uh, you know, barely controlled chaos and interpersonal squabbles and people who can't control their emotions and, and don't always make the right decisions and, you know, very silly villains, preferably purple-based. I I mean, I, I, this was a lot of fun. There was some really dubious legal stuff going on here. Um, you know, they're in family court and Jen is their lawyer. And at one point, she's sitting in the galley instead of the, ta- the lawyer's table. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really bothered me it's like what is the, what is the editor do anymore um but <laughs> none of I don't them know, know if you how can a serve court your works. own subpoena in the, uh, or in, well, right. if he represents himself but it didn't matter you were right it was fun and it was fun seeing the fantastic four just being so totally unhinged in the courtroom they can't control themselves they can't control their impulses um their first impulse they, is to fight every villain that gets called and, in you know they're to used the, to they're used to being in control their yeah. their habit is to you know be about and they're not and it's fun and they're and they're not in control against a first of all you know he's a genius too so he's he's yeah he matches that you know their strongest asset which is reed's brain and then as you said he's not wrong mm-hmm. this is his clone who he considers his child they're constantly putting it in danger he should be awarded custody. And mm-hmm. every legal argument they make, he has a counter for. And yeah. so their frustration boils over into violence. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. It was it was just it was just a really good time. And I think uh, you know, obviously like I like we keep going back to this, but I just keep appreciating it more than I probably ever have. And uh, you know, you know, you and I have definitely uh, lean towards the trend of just embracing the silliness because that's all you can mm-hmm. do. If yeah. you know, if you if you if you don't, if you try to take these too seriously, it falls apart and it's much less fun. That's yeah, I think we know, we had a my... very, I think a very healthy, um, I'm going to say 
we were converted, but we were an eye-opening sure. moment reading Super Gods all yep. those years ago. When Grant Morrison said, basically, the the more realistic these superhero comics are, the worse they are. Mm-hmm. And we were like, hmm, not yeah, wrong. And that just that just opened the doors to like really sort of look at what it was that that's enjoyable about these. And if you are a 40-year-old man and yeah. you're reading about superheroes in cartoon form, then you should really think about what it is you want. Out of, I, I, you know what? No, I don't even mean to put that on others. But like, I'm like, wow, why would I take this seriously? This, this, there's, this person is dressed in a purple suit with a crazy helmet, and there's a green lady. It should be very silly and fun, you know. And that's what makes that's what's making me happy right now. Right. I mean, there, there were there were there was a couple of problems. Like I like I mentioned the the whole weird thing in the courtroom where the lawyer's not sitting at the table, but there's a. There's a family scene on page 18 of the digital reader where I kept I kept losing Sue and thinking she was Valeria because because the artist uh, Francesco Mana kept drawing her like a tiny child like if you look in that panel mm-hmm. Sue's on the far left and I thought that was Valeria. See, I thought that I thought that Valeria who has the goggles on at least, which is a good indicator. Um, also, I just noticed Bentley has the same yellow shades on that Wizard does, which is fun. Um, but then next to uh, the blue kid is, uh, I guess, Alicia, Alicia who yeah. also looks like Sue. <laughs> right. A lot of blonde problems in Marvel. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, you're right. I hope it's not like a six-part thing. Um, mm-hmm. But they're all being sent off into whatever, wherever her, this, this superpowered judge's contempt of court is. And you're right. She's nebulous sort of Kirby dot powers and she seems to be able mm-hmm. to freeze them all uh from acting which is a good but, job for a uh for a judge and also i, I do want to say that um you know regardless of that issue we just talked about which is sort of a hard thing to work with in, in telling all the blonde women apart yeah. uh i think francesco manas whose name i do not recognize the energy uh, that was put into this was all like pure fantastic four uh, there's mm-hmm. pages in here where Reed is stretched all over the place, and then the acting that takes place in the courtrooms, I right. thought was really strong. Like it's very calm, and then sort of explodes into a whole thing. He chose to put in dynamism when it was important, and then keep it straight when it wasn't. If you look at the pages, you know where stuff starts to get exciting. All the panels get canted. There's energy all over the place, and then when they get back to just talking in the courtroom, the panels are leveled out again. You know, and it's right. it's chat. You know, and the, and they, you know, he makes the the wizard look like a boring lawyer, you know. You know, a work I think you know how in job England they all wear the powdered wigs. I think in America they should all wear helmets like like the wizard. <laughs> That's just how it you know really, who the lawyer is. I, I, if I if I go through this, like I find something that I really like on every page. There's a let's say say take page twenty, uh, uh, and you'll see you know the wizard is presenting an argument and he's super serious and Sue has just had enough of all of it like she's just frustrated and you know like she just feels like she's super annoyed well, you know they, just, they those little we've things. talked about this before but they've slowly over the years made Sue the hothead of the group yeah you know she's the yeah, one who gets angry fa- fastest she's the one um who here tells Ben to attack the wiz- the wizard uh, yeah. wizard but also in the past is has had them attack Dr. Doom, you know, before the what? Like, she's been the one that sort of goes off the, the deep end quick, quickest. Hmm. Um, so the the ending here of the, the cliffhanger is that, you know, Reed and Sue have Valeria and Franklin, and Ben has those two kids, the Skrull and the Kree kid, and there's Bentley. 
at the end, she says, basically, I don't think any of you should have any, should be parents of any of these kids. So that's the whole cliffhanger. Is all, are they all going to lose custody of their kids? Mm-hmm. I mean, they won't, but that's the cliffhanger. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's been, I just think that uh, Slot has really solidified the persona of the of the main members of this. And I think that mm-hmm. that, that idea about Sue is pretty interesting. The idea of, uh, you know, Reed being distracted to the point of, uh, you know, abuse, basically, uh, is interesting, you know, and, you know, uh, Johnny is literally flaming out sort He's of off the table sort of, so so she hulk here is basically taking yeah. his slot instead of and and his things. thing is sort of his penitence for his impetuousness in a way mm-hmm. i mean that's what he's he's wrought himself in that like he went and he found his soulmate and it was a thing and then he goes and he sleeps with victorious and now he can't stop burning and then at the same time you've got ben Grimm, who's the most stable of all the people now Right. You know, he's in a situation that is over his head to a certain extent, but he's happy and he's not in conflict about it. Um, it's just great interpersonal dynamics. Yeah, this was a good issue again. Mm-hmm. Good cover, too. From the. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, from Terry, the Dodsons, Terry from Do- Dodson. Terry and Rachel Dodson, yeah. Uh, let's move ourselves over to uh, the human target number two. I got Dodson here. Um, <laughs> no one cares. So, uh, what did you think of the Human Target book two from Tom King and Greg Smallwood? I liked it an awful lot, but I think it is more of a mood than a compelling story to me right now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is much more than issue one. Yes, this is a full on noir PI story. At least mm-hmm. this issue is. You know, and I and I like on. that, but it's not like my favorite thing to like revel in. You know, but, but you're right, like right across the, the blinds, yeah. making the shadows in his office, you know, that's sort of shaded and, you know, the, following the dame and, you know, there's the, there's a reveal at the end. You know, the the writing in this, the the personal story, the character building of Ice, this character who most of us probably don't know very well at this point, um, you know, it's it's sexy, it's beautiful. Um, but it's more like I like hanging out with it than I am wrapped, you know, with like wondering what's going to happen next. the idea that is presented here that it might be a problem to live above a pizza place or to have your office above a pizza place? I feel like that would be a benefit. I can't imagine how that would be a problem unless, for example, in that pizza place, there was a frequency of postmen being shoved into it and that would create a problem. But otherwise, like he says, you know, I put up with the smell because the, you know, because he gets the free rent. (coughs) Right. But it isn't just that. There's another. There, he says uh, Luigi isn't exactly what he seems, and I don't know something like that. I forget the. I ignore the smell. He ignores the gunshot. Oh, maybe I was thinking that was. His name isn't Luigi, and he's not Italian. But I did a job for him. Well, I thought there was like something else to it. No, it's just like that he was like he just criminal. did a job for him, so he gets the free rent above the pizza place, and he ignores the smell. I'm like, dude, what smells better than pizza? See, I was thinking it was some other smell from some other shit that he was up to. No. But, okay. Fair enough. So anyway, he comes back to his office and there is ice um, waiting for him. And it, it's it is very Raymond Chandler-esque. If you read those books, there's basically two types of women that enter Philip Marlowe's office. One is the femme fatale and one is the innocent girl next door type and that's what ice appears to be here to at least in the beginning to christopher chance 
is she's the nice one. She's mm. uh, she wears you know powder blue and she keeps everything cool with her aura. No, I didn't know. I don't know where this retcon came in that she was not no longer a goddess of you know uh, Scandinavia. Mm. That she is just some random poor woman that found got powers. So that was news news to me. I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. But other than that, um, you know what we talked about before is that Christopher Chance has been poisoned in his in his guise of protecting Lex Luthor. Someone tried to kill Lex Luthor, and he was poisoned. He's got only weeks to live. Days, I think it's like twelve days. days or twelve days or something like that. Yeah, two weeks. And uh, is each is each issue a day? I guess this was the second day. Yeah, I believe I guess it will be. Um, and so yeah. here he's he in the first issue he found out that the poison came from this planet and the planet has only been visited by the members of the Justice League International and so someone on that team must have poisoned him and uh, you know I, I thought this was incredibly fun I thought it was as you said it was it was sexy without being overt like it was low key sexy yeah you know as they sort of flirt with each other but not you know not you know overtly and. Go swimming together. It's the way that Smallwood is drawing. I mean, this this woman who's yeah. this, you know, you know, like if you look at her demure facial expressions throughout the whole thing, like it's just it, like she's just super attractive in that way that seems yeah. totally. And it's a way that a lot of artists, a lot of artists can do it, but I can't think of any that can do it sort of as well as this. When she comes out like in her bikini, you mm-hmm. know, and they're swimming around, and she's got a sweet smile on her face, and he's actually very consistent with her face. Like, yep. it looks like the same girl throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, it's it's really beautifully done, and you're like, it's not all about like, you know, butts and huge boobs and whatever, mm-hmm. but it's super sexy, yeah. you know, in, in a way that uh, is subtle and sort of elegantly so. And also, you know, that reminds you of an earlier time. I think you should email Tom King your pull quote for the book, which is, it's not about butts. Um, <laughs> I think he'd like that. I, I just, I, we, we discussed Smallwood before and how amazing he is. I just love, and I talked about this last time, how he allows the tools to show, th- I know he draws digitally, so it's all sure. fake tools, but I just love that he takes the pencil line and just rubs it down the, like, look at mm-hmm. page 12 on the digital reader where Christopher Chance is helping her out of the car. And the lines on his jacket and the hand, oh, yeah. like it's very like overtly like this is a pencil drawing. Yeah, you know, even though again it's not a pencil drawing, it's digital. But it's 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 really like like because his um anatomy is so good that he can let the rest of it be totally impressionistic. And you mm-hmm. know the colors are not realistic, but they might as well be. Like he just totally. puts you in a place. And when I talk to you know when I say that mood. Thing. Yeah, I mean, like he's drawing digitally, but he's using all the same tools that you would have. He didn't use it to make everything look super neat. He made he used it to make you know to play to his strengths, I guess. Yeah. Um, I liked the the description is at the very next page on thirteen about life in the past, mm-hmm. and you know if if you if you pay attention to things at all, like there's a huge amount of '90s nostalgia going on now, and it's pretty sure. clear that it's you know the last sort of gasp of, I don't want to say innocence, but before 9-11, things really changed in culture. And so I think a lot of people who weren't alive back then or weren't old enough to appreciate it, look back on that time and with with, with wonder mm-hmm. about what it would have been like to live in a time before all that 
constant stress and, and the internet and cell phones. And so that, a lot of that's here. But it's also as a parallel, if you if you look at sort of what the story, what the genre is, this is a pre-Camelot sort of era also that it's depicting. So it's sort of got a, a parallel going on in both of those things. And when I yeah. say that, post-Camelot, uh, no, pre, 1963, you know, when, when Kennedy is shot, that's yeah. the other moment. And I feel like this is touching... <laughs> Both of those things. Tom and I actually talked about that a little bit um, without talking about this this series at all, but sort of the the impact that, you know, like 9-11 as a turning point, you know, in the same way that, that 1963 would have been. Um, yeah. And it's in here. And I'm not saying this is 90s nostalgia. I'm just saying uh, that feeling of, you know, it was, a, it, was more of a, it was more of a lighthearted time. It was a funny time. Yeah. We, we, we were all in danger but didn't realize it and we just sort of laughed about it and and... You know, it was. Just, I just page. really liked this issue. It, we're still very early in the process. You know, we don't have pa- a pattern yet. Is it going to be a different Justice League or every issue? Mm-hmm. Um, I I assume so, but we don't know. Um, well, to me, it's interesting because she showed up. So to me, right. that you know, that he didn't go after anybody. She showed right. up with the thing, so she kickstarts the whole thing, mm-hmm. and that will be. It, you know, it's very interesting to see what happens next. I, I like I said, you know. I don't think it is overtly like you put it down, you're like, damn. But I think it is the more that you look at it and examine it. And I think as a part of a whole, you know, it's, it's pretty good. And also like, a few pages into this, I was like, Smallwood definitely has the Eisner locked up already. <laughs> like there's no way he doesn't because if we want to ta- if we want to really talk about what Tom King's, one of his main great talents is sure. He's a fine writer and can do all the things, but dude knows how, to get artists who are right for what he's doing, who are great and perhaps slightly underappreciated. And when, like when the just masters. is. Yep. Yep. 100%. Dare, Daredevil 36. So I read 35 and 36 because I had a little backlog going on. And a little ways into 35, I thought, I don't know if I'm into this book anymore. Mm-hmm. And, but, I, you know, I went through and I read 36. I don't not like it. Yeah. I do like it. Um but I'm kind of not interested. And I'm glad that the paradigm changed where where you know Matt is out of prison now. Uh is out of prison. But I got to say I think almost one of the most interesting things well, I thought Electra was as Daredevil was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of how she was handling it. She had to sort of adjust, you know, how she he does things. I'm really sick of Kingpin as mayor. I like I actually the, thought about that. He's been mayor for Really long time. It feels like 10 years in the books. Like de Blasio. <laughs> um, there are term limits, you know, in New York. Just FYI, Marvel. Are, they, are there? Yes. You get two, <laughs> you get two terms. Unless four, you're four Bloomberg, then you get three. Right, exactly. I think that's where, because it, it feels like Bloomberg was there forever. Well, he changed um, the law, but it's only two terms. Right. And, uh, you know, I actually really like the part where Kingpin was in a feud with the other super rich, powerful people who kept getting... The, I, I thought was fun. Yeah. But it's sort of where we are now... Like this is this is the turning point one. Whereas at the end of the last, I was like, I don't know if I want to keep reading this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things I like about it, but I don't know if I'm really having all that much fun with it. Now we have multiple like I, kingpin people. Yeah, and I had I struggled with this issue with the art from Manuel Garcia. I thought his facial models were yeah, like especially for Matt Reed, Reed Richards is weird. Yeah, like it was. The facial model from Matt was way off of what we were used to. And re like it just I was like I, I kept going back and forth whether I liked it or not. And I I don't know. 
Yeah, and, and that's kind of the deal. Uh, I, it's two things I did want to bring up. Um, one, we're having a thing where it's Electra brings up very clearly the fact that he, everybody knows, doesn't know who he is because some shit went down, and she yeah. can tell that because she was dead or whatever. And there's an there's kind of a cool moment at the end where Fisk, you know, is looking through his files after he's now happily married on top of that poor little woman. Um, and, you know, he looks at his daredevil identity, which he had printed, by the way, he has a folder that says daredevil identity on it. That was clearly like he had somebody print that. Yeah. He did it himself <laughs> in a way. And inside all the pages are blank. Um, and I think that he realizes that he's missing something. He doesn't know what it is and he's mad about it. And that, so that will reignite his obsession. But the thing is this though, Daredevil or Kingpin has been the mayor for a thousand years. He's also been the villain of the book for the whole time. And let's do something else. Uh, and then finally, this is important. Uh, uh, Electra comes and picks up Matt. Wait, is this the last issue? I might be, I might be messing it up. They got, they went for a swim in the river. No, that was this issue. That was this one. Yeah. What body of flowing water within 200 miles of New York City would you ever put your body into? Well, prisons, prisons can be way upstate. Um, <laughs> I was more concerned the fact that they were skinny dipping right next to the road. Well, that, like well that's what I'm saying. They're right that's, next. So like anyone driving by is going to see these two very attractive people skinny dipping and I assume banging in the water because she says he needs to be baptized. Then, then the other bit is no one knows who he is. I'm like, yeah, big red fucking beard. Big red fucking beard. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. There was already like, people were already suspected. You know, there, it wasn't like, hey, have you noticed Daredevil has a big red fucking beard? Who's that other guy who we think is always Daredevil but can't prove it who has red hair? Yeah. Do you like his suit? He's got like it for a while. Suit? The, the baggy pants. Yeah. Um, it's all right. This artist tended to exaggerated a bit i think he's, he's, he's that's been a run through the entire chip run he's had these pants yeah. so i what also this book is monthly so this has been like three years now yeah at least i'm sure there's been delays it's been a long time yeah i don't so, hate it and i i, I, I liked no. it but you know like if i was to just stop next month i think i'd be okay but i would also like it comes out and i'm compelled to stop and i'm compelled to read it yeah, I don't know. I don't like seeing Ben Riley everywhere. He's on the cover of the next issue. Ben Riley's there's that's the big push now. I hate it. I hate it and him. I don't hate him. I don't mind the story he's in, but I don't like the idea of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, I keep. I also keep threatening to stop reading Amazing Spider-Man, but but you don't. Nope. They got you by the red beard. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the final issue of the Me You Love in the Dark. Number five, the Scotty Young, Jorge Corona, their latest miniseries and image. And uh, I don't think this was a successful miniseries. I think that the turn that happened in the last issue, which I was not on the show for, I don't know if you guys talked about it. Uh, no, we did not. The turn was extremely quick. That's been my problem. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't earn any of this. The end of the third issue... They were super in love and everything was great. And then like page one or two of the fourth issue, like shit went down. And I don't think that there was enough of a transition or enough clue that those things were going to happen. It makes sense. I don't think it's wrong as a story point. He's a monster in a ghost 
in a house, you know, or whatever. But like, it it seemed less All interesting. Of, everything that happens tracks. The problem I have is that with five issues, there was nothing. The connective tissue wasn't there. I think that's right. And the work, the work, the work, the work wasn't there. Which sounds like it's a sl- knock on Scotty. It's not. It's just that there, there wasn't time for the work. Mm-hmm. This kind of story needs to be more of a slow burn, like a t- like an eight or a ten. Because uh, first of all, you have to convince me why is this woman in love with this scary looking ghost with a million mouths and eyes and things like that? To me, was also never fully established. In the mm-hmm. beginning, he was sort of shadowy and romantic, fine. But then, once he's revealed to be what he is physically. I was never sold on the idea that she was still in love with him until the fact until the moment he killed her friend. See, I don't think that it needs to be eight or ten. I think one more issue in between the third and fourth. Yeah, it could was have the middle part. That was just, we just jumped past a lot of things that and you there have was, to there, sort of there accept. Was, there wasn't. I, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but if I was to read the first three issues, I don't really see a lot of warning signs from the villain. Right, that's my it, point. There, there was like, no work so, done in the in the middle. The second act. So what was, I was sort of I thought, I was like, well, maybe because all your expectations are is this is going to go bad, but he seems super swift. So I thought, oh, we're going to subvert expectations, and then the next issue, the first thing that happens is, oh, he's jealous and angry. And he won't let her leave. Like that, yeah, that needed to be teased out a little more or introduced early. Like, yeah, they, there had to be <clears throat> connective tissues. A very good phrase for it, and. And this is another example of the five issue, the new, the new five issue mini. In the, in the past, at least mm-hmm. with the six, you had two issues per act, and now it's all sort of cut down. And everyone loves the, the setup first act bit, and then this third act where all the action happens. So the second act was what suffers, but that's where all the work's done for the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it's a bad road we're going down. We we already went down it with the, the with the contracted page count, and now we're losing an entire issue on a lot of these storylines, and it's hurting storytelling. I'm not willing to say that the number of issues is the problem overall. I'm willing to say that you know you have to approach each story on its own and, and plan it out where it is. Now it's more likely that it's going to get fitted into a box, you know, that isn't the right size for it now because of all sorts of reasons. But yeah, you got to do it right. Which is too bad. Cause I like the first two issues a lot of this mini, but mm-hmm. I think it, if it didn't, I think successfully come together. I think it was a strong concept. It was interesting, haunted house, romance, whatever. Yeah. But I think it did a couple of things that were interesting. I think the art um, between Jorge Corona and and Bolio on the colors was really strong. <coughs> you know, it, this isn't even. I, I don't. I don't normally read books. You know, like horror books or monster books or whatever. But I thought it was you know the idea of the blackness and and the way that it was depicted and sort of the big crazy monster face right but i liked the idea that the big crazy ugly monster face you know like that was a good guy kind of for a while i thought that was interesting um yeah i felt bad that all her shit got burned and i felt bad for her friend i really felt bad for her friend he was a good dude he didn't bring any of this on (laughs) they could escape together it just, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't come together, I don't think. Fair enough. Hey, uh, this time of year, nah, I don't want to go that way. Uh, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash ifanboy if you like what you're listening to and you want to help contribute to it, just like anything. 
media has changed and this is how you you support the things that you like so uh here's how we give back in that way we do the show we do it happily we're excited this all gave us a breath of fresh air i think and and recommitted us to the thing but we also added talksplodes which are interview shows booksplodes which are are uh all both of those are our bi-monthly shows at booksplodes we talk about uh collected editions sometimes we go back in history sometimes we we pick something interesting to talk about that doesn't fit in the confines of our normal show. We have the media explodes where we talk about stuff that isn't comics. Um, and then we are putting up the YouTube uh, shows as promised at a, at a, at a, at a perfectly regular clip. Uh, regular shows will be all done soon, but the minis still go on for quite a while. And then, of course, there's the patron hangouts. There's a lot of stuff uh, that did not exist before uh, Patreon was a thing for us. And um, I'm proud of the work that we've done for it. It's, it's turned into quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> the next stretch goal on Patreon, which, by the way, I'm in no hurry for you to get to, uh, is to add a comic book TV show special edition yeah. uh, to our roster of shows. And then the bigger one after that would be somehow uh, bringing back our barbecue email and video shows on a quarterly basis. Um, there's also the patron Facebook group uh, and the uh, patron Discord yes. server. Uh, great communities over there. Um, and then finally, uh, well, moving on, the other things that there's, there's ifanboy.threadless.com. There are so there's 12 designs, not there 11. There are 12 designs, yes. The the new shirt was revealed on the patron well, hangout on hopefully. Saturday. Hopefully it, was. hopefully it was. It will have been. I love hopefully time travel. Yeah. Okay. So should it, I not say, go to the go to ifamboy.threadless.com. You'll see what that is. There's a good chance there's a new shirt. <laughs> I think it's there. I'm pretty sure it's there. This is the worst ad we've ever done. Designs <laughs> can be applied to t-shirts, shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, Probably some kind of underwear, phone covers, bat mat, bath mats, notebooks, all of that stuff. Uh, skateboards. Uh, the the the, uh, the Clint is dead shirt on a skateboard looks quality. Um, uh, go to iphone.com slash support for direct donation via PayPal if you don't want to deal with that stuff. iphone.com slash Amazon will give you uh, links to buy the books from the Booksplodes. Every episode you'll see the music that we use linked uh, so you could purchase or listen to that if you have that subscription service. Um, and the pick of the week is always, or you can just use that link to go uh, when you're doing your holiday shopping. And by the way, order early this year. Um, yeah, I do want to mention also that we've also partnered with bookshop.org, which is uh, the independent bookstore su- uh, supporting uh, organization, and so where appropriate, uh, where co- where collected editions are shown, there'll also be bookshop.org links. Excellent. Let's get us over to serial number eight from Terry Moore, and I, I feel like we talk about this a lot, and I don't have a heck of a lot to say about this issue. I think it's coming together very nicely, but the the thing that actually stuck out for me is that th- the very last panel. I'm sorry, I'm I'm going to it. Uh, is basically like a so what you find out is that the the serial killer the lady her last victim is going to be her mother because mm-hmm. of whatever unresolved whatever and and she's threatening her like she's going to kill her with a pair of scissors and some thunder goes off and you look out into the window and you see the little girl and she's coming to stop the killer or at least kill her or whatever and they look to the side, and then the last panel is the old comatose mother gets up, and she has a knife in her hand. She's going to stab her, and I thought that is a hell of a comic book page. It was a, it was terrific storytelling. Wonder, like literally one page that stood out, and I thought most comic books can't give you that jump surprise thing within a single page, and yeah. I don't know if it is a combination of how he used the blacks because most pages are not black heavy, but he sort of put this whole scene into the darkness. Um, 
you know, and then the sound effects take up a large portion of things and it kind of obscures the last thing that happens, which I don't think you could do with color in this instance. Mm. It's a great issue, but I, I, it was just such a good page that I felt I needed to call it out. Um, yeah, it was a great page. And, and this was the issue we found out a lot of the backstory of the killer. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I, I actually, I really love this book and I'm all excited when it comes out. Not a hundred percent sure what's going on only because it involves the little magical girl from the other series. And mm-hmm. it's just that part's sort of, sort, sort, sort of confusing, but um, she's just a traveling person. She comes across this, you know, quote unquote case, you know, and, right. and she's like the incredible Hulk, but right. um, I think this has been incredible. This has been an incredibly tight and taut eight issue. I mean, I think I saw I guess it'll be nine total, or however many it is, but uh, I really do like it every time it comes out. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, an- we're in annual territory. A lot of annuals yeah, this we week, were. and next week as well, from, especially from DC, or all from DC. And uh, my favorite this week was Nightwing 2021 annual, written by Tom Taylor, uh, with art by, how do you say that first name? I want to say, it's a hard, C-A-I-A-N. A lot of times in Irish, the Irish that's a hard C? Right, so that's what Keen. Keen. Yeah. Tormi and Daniel HDR. It's high definition resolution. Right. Uh, something my television has. I don't know if yeah. that I don't it's no, it's high dynamic whatever. This a does it's a dumb joke, I'm sorry. You can see him really well. They tell a brother's story here, so it's Nightwing and Red Hood having to team up on a case, but it also involves a lot of flashback to when the first time they teamed up together, uh, when Jason was first Robin and Alfred calls Dick back at the Titans Tower and says, hey, the new Robin's having trouble. You need to come help him. And Dick says, I don't think Bruce would like that. And Alfred's like, he's not here, so you, he won't know. So they go off on a mission, you know, sort of older brother or younger brother situation. And uh, it's just really nice parallel storytelling, really nice character stuff. You know, they're all afraid of the original Robin costume. Um, so they give him the original costume, but they give him, like, long trunks, and it just doesn't doesn't work design wise it looks silly um i think that the boy panties would have a harder time going i don't mind it um it, it it's just the costume is based on an acrobat's costume so it looks dumb with long pants or not long pants but long shorts so uh anyway uh it, it's just it's just really nice parallel storytelling between them older and a lot of road between them and then the younger version of them where dick is trying to teach uh, Jason, how to be a better Robin. There's a lot of nice brotherly ribbing where uh, Jason's wielding a cross. Uh, he's, he, he uses a, um, a crowbar now instead of guns, which Dick finds fucked up. And uh, he says, Well, shouldn't you call yourself the crow, crowbar if that's your name now? Shouldn't you dress as a crowbar? Shouldn't you make this shape a lot with, when you stand? And he just, he just a constant ribbing about it. And it was very funny. Um, so if you read a Nightwing book, this is a great little companion piece written by the same writer. Yeah, I, it's also like it's this weird golden age of Jason Todd. Yeah, like they're 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 adjusting him slightly so he's not the worst. Um, yeah, it's tough because he's a killer, and that's how that's sort of the opening sequence where he just walks. But it's not him; it's Clayface pretending to be him. Right. Well, that's the thing. So you know, I think they're trying to get away from that, and I, which I think is good. I, you know, yeah. I don't I, like it, it. It becomes very difficult for Batman to be accepting of him if he's going around shooting people. Like oh, he just for can't. Sure. So he would never eventually they'll. It. Right, so you just sort of, they're adjusting it to get that behind it. And by making him not the person in this, I did not expect that. I thought, oh, that's that's good. That's what I want, because it makes it easier to like the character. And you want to like the character, because he's not supposed to be evil. So, 
Just an asshole. Yeah. King of Spies, number one, is a new book from Mark Miller uh, mm-hmm. with art by Mateo Scalera, who he, he did for some time stop. Right. But then can't he wasn't. He didn't. You can't. He just stopped. Somebody needed to stop him, and they did for a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. Right. Um, this is, I don't think anything amazing, but it was a really fun romp, uh, in, uh basically like a, a super spy killer guy goes through his whole life upholding the status quo and making the rich richer and doing the stuff and getting, and then at the end, you know, of his life, when he starts to get older, he's like, mm, I don't, I, I don't think we did all the right things. I'll go fix it. Cause he's dying. Is he he's dying. dying. He's um, got cancer okay, yeah. and he doesn't have long to live. Um, so he, he decides he's going to go. Uh, get the real bad guys. Right. Um, I thought this would have been much, much stronger if he wasn't like uh, invincible. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the opening sequence, he jumps off a giant building shooting 100 guys and he lands on top of an ambulance and he's fine and he gets blown up and he's fine. Like, he's if he was a regular guy who was sort of... Like, James Bond wouldn't survive that fall, but... James Bond is also not, you know, it's exaggerated. But if it was James Bond level of exaggeration as opposed to like this ridiculous amount of, you know, survives a hundred story drop kind of thing, just make him more more of a human. That would be more interesting than, than this guy who can't be killed. He's I not a superhero. He's no superpowers. He's just, no, just, he's, but it didn't bother me because it's it's sort of big and over. I mean, it's Mark Miller. That's that's right, his whole, saying, that's his whole. Don't deal. make it a hundred percent over the top. Make it fifty percent over the top. I you think know. if we're talking about a thing that's like a silly revenge tale, which is basically what it is, I, that doesn't bother me. I love the um, second half or the second mm-hmm. two thirds where he's older. He has yeah. a magnificent beard. He does. That's true. I, 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 I strive for that level of beard someday. And, you know, I like the idea of this guy who realizes that his life was bullshit. And he, uh-huh. you know, he, uh, he, Spent his time feathering his own nest, as he says, and protecting the, the status quo and the banks and everything, and at the heavy behest of his government. And now all the real villains got away with it. So he's going to go get. He's going to go make sure they pay. And I liked it. I uh, just just it goes, almost goes without saying that Mateo Scalera is a great artist or whatever, but um, lots of great action scenes and everything. If you look at the very last page of the book, which is just sort of a, a shot of London Street with Big Ben in the background at mm-hmm. night in the rain, it's a gorgeous. It's piece of art. Yeah. It's like the composition. You could put this on your wall, you know, without even knowing it's a comic book page. You take the lettering out or whatever, and it's it's a gorgeous piece of art yeah. between him and the, the coloring. Um, but so you know, you that's what you expect from mm-hmm. Did you read the Avengers yeah. seven fifty or fifty? I don't believe that. By the way, one of those numbers is bullshit. <laughs> I did, and I got to say, I looked up at one point, and I was like, how long is this? And I looked, and I was on page 25 of 80. I was like, oh, come on. I didn't. It, you know, one day there'll be a scholarly paper on how a writer so so good as Jason Aaron went so sideways in the Avengers book, and they've been doing it for 50 issues. I I didn't dislike this issue. I thought there were good things in it, but it was almost emblematic of the problems. It was so jam-packed full of stuff that it just felt like a whiplash reading this book, going from one mini-chapter to the next. I don't care about the legacy Avengers. Yeah, I don't like really the, the idea of it. it. I, don't, I don't like everything being a legacy. I don't care about the prehistoric Avengers. I liked the 
you know, we get we get Jen back here, we get She Hulk back, mm-hmm. so she's now back in this book, you know, sort of being returned to normal. Um, I liked some of the modern day stuff. I, I like, like, but the the okay. this is almost the Avengers Forever part. You know, we know, we know that storyline's coming. Mm-hmm. We just reviewed it on our booksplode, but at the end, they they create a throughout history throughout the multiverse team of uh, Masters of Evil. That was who the name of it was, right? Something like that. And so there's a villain version sort of of the Avengers Forever. It looks and it looks like perhaps Namor might be joining the team. Like I got excited when they were like, "Oh, we need to add more people." And I was like, "Ooh, it's a it's a building the team issue." And then that, that didn't really happen. There were bits and pieces here I liked, but overall, I just felt like I, this is the, po- the problem with the book. Is there's too much going on. We're never one place long enough to really care about what's happening. There's a hundred million characters in the book, and I don't know. I like. I, I yeah I don't care about the stuff in the past at all. I, I, it's it's almost because it's at the expense of the stuff in the present. Yeah, I actually really like this Avengers team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the people who are on it are interesting. I really like Ghost Rider's story in this. I I find that compelling. I want to know where that's going to go. I like the thing with Gorilla Man and the Bear Guy. Mm-hmm. I like you know I like living in the the century. I think that's really interesting. I like um, Jane Foster as Valkyrie coming in. Um, you know, but anytime we sort of go to the past, I, 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 I can't, I, I don't care about Kazar. I tried, I tried reading that miniseries. It was beautiful, but didn't really mean a heck of a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, kid, kid, kid Thanos smacks a little of like when he shows up, it just feels like one of those things that comics have been doing in the past few years to get people excited. Like you make somebody Gucci. a kid or you make him a cat, you know, like it's fine. Um, you know, these are just, takes on on villains basically like what if we mash up the red skull and venom and what if we you know it's just it's, i find it not very interesting um or at least not in aggregate like there's just so many they're all that you know supreme doom and this and but it's too much it, it's yeah. too much in the sense that like you can't you, you don't know what to grab onto which is what you said like you don't you don't get to hang on to anything long enough to give a shit about it as we move to the next thing so quickly, and there's so much. Yeah. I actually really like the um, backup story. Though I don't know why they did it, but it was written by Christopher Rocho, which I know it's a name I've not heard before. Drawn by Stephen Niven, and it was a Thor and Arthur of the Lionhearted before he, when he was a kid teaming up against the Brood. Don't know why we did it, but I liked it. I thought it was a good it's, story. Uh, I don't feel like I've seen Steve McNiven interiors in a while. And his style has changed from what it used to look like. Yes, it has. He's, he's, Thor's face is really odd. I'm not yeah. necessarily wrong or bad. It's just kind of, it's different on one page than the rest of it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things like it really is heavily dependent on the inkers that he has. Hey, can I make a tiny, tiny complaint? Sure. So at the end, he holds his Thor, his, his hammer up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it says the thing: whosoever holds his hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Yeah, and it's put on there in digital. Yeah, and I hate what it looks like. Yeah, I, needs I, that needs that needs in. to be drawn in by hand. And if the artist is that like that's not their talent or whatever, like figure out a way to do it because it it just is incongruous to me. It doesn't look good. You know who could do that? Walt fucking Simonson could do that. Could draw <laughs> that, and he could do the lettering. He could on do it right it now because. 
that's what artists used to do. And I'm not saying they all need to, but I think that's what's one of the more uh, impressive things about sort of golden and silver age artists is they were also like, oh yeah, we also know how to draft. They could all letter everything themselves if they wanted to. That's so cool. So yeah, this was a weird issue. Mm-hmm. It was weird. But, but I also wanted to mention it, Josh, and I don't want you to answer this question now. I want you to ponder it. And I want okay. you to even ponder it maybe over the break and come back to me. Well, you're going to have to I write something start down. I will never underground remember campaign. That's fine. I want to start an underground campaign in which we only refer to the Marvel books by their legacy numbering. No more, no more of this. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man eighty. Amazing Spider-Man eighty. Like in the, like in the show notes and everything. Like we like just refuse to acknowledge. Life. We just, just refuse to acknowledge the new. They're going to put on the cover. We're going to go back to legacy numbering. Can That's, is it always there? I, I'm fine with it as long as I don't have to do the research. <laughs> For every Marvel book, they have it on the cover. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm just putting the idea out there. I don't, want to, I don't want to get an answer now. I don't need to think about it. There's, there's nothing about that I don't like. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't sit around for a month and like come up with a reason not to do that. Like, do I care if it confuses people? No, it's already fucking confusing. Nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. Do I care about their marketing? No. Is what, it do I love? Is it pointlessly obstinate? Yes. As a middle-aged, uh, as a middle-aged white American man. That's kind of my bellywick. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we're known for. All right. So the books we wanted to talk about have come to an end. And now we talk about the patron pick, which is what the patrons vote for at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Every patron votes to add a book to the rundown. And we had a t- we had King of Spies was in the lead on the first day. It had an overwhelming lead, and normally that means it's going to win. But then Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, book one, Picked up steam, took the lead, never looked back, and it was the patron pick. This is a um, black label book. It's very long. I, I couldn't even tell you how long it is because digitally it says on 50 pages, but that includes right. a lot of double page spreads. It's probably closer to 80 pages. Something like that. Written by Kazu um, DeConnick, drawn by Phil Jimenez, colors by Hi Fi and RF Prianto, and Romulo Ferraro Jr., and Clayton Cowles on letters. Uh, could the chair please recognize the gentleman from New Hampshire? Yes. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to put forward a motion to skip to the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, going into this, it, it had, for me, it had two strikes Like going into it. Like one, I don't care about the machinations of the gods. I, I just don't. And that was all, that my, it's always my least favorite part of Wonder Woman stories is is, you know, the gods fighting with each other and the, and the stories of the gods. And I just don't care. So I, 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 w- I would take that one bit further and save your second one because I'm, yeah. I'm agreeing with you. I think that's true. But also, I probably would care if there was some sort of invention that made it compelling again. But instead, it really feels like we're treading over the same ground over and over again with this overwrought language of the gods that isn't really anything other than the way that Stan Lee wrote it mm-hmm. over and over again. That's the same story. Like nothing comes out of it. That's any different. We've tread this ground so many times, especially in wonder woman. And we keep wondering like, Hey, how come wonder woman never, never picks up right. the closest they came was, uh, um, Azarello and Cliff Chang. And even that got tiresome. Yeah. It's just, it's just like the only story that they, anyone can do with wonder woman. And it's just, I'm just so bored by, Zeus and Hera and all that, you know, just bored, 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 bored. So that was, you know, as this is advertised as sort of like the history of 
of the of the Amazons. I was like, oh no, I don't care about that. And then, just for, quite frankly, I don't like it. I've never liked anything Kelly Sudeikonik's written. The closest I got was Aquaman. That was kind of dull, and it was all, that was also about the machinations of the gods. And I just, I just never really responded to anything she's done. So two two strikes going in. The only reason I was reading this at all beforehand, before it was the patron pick, was that I love Phil Jimenez. I haven't seen an interior page from Phil Jimenez in I don't know how long, but for a long time he's one of my favorite artists. So that was interesting. And this, and I, you got to give him credit because this, if I looked at this, I would never tell you, oh, that's Phil Jimenez. He did a whole thing. Yeah, not till the not till the second part of the story. So the, right. This book is basically two halves. The first half is the again the the, the machinations of the gods, the all the female gods are angry at Zeus the way, for the way women have been treated and they, they want to break off and Zeus won't let them and then their leader Hera decides to chicken out and not go with the other gods. So it's just it's just a lot of a lot of that. And then the second half, which is much more, the first half is all like all double page spreads. All double page spreads. And a lot of overwrought language and a lot of people standing I a, around. I had a big struggle even like not skimming it, like it was. Yeah, well, I think we two tries. Like I started reading this book well before his pick, patron pick. When, when I thought it was going to be King of Spies, I started reading and I got about four pages in, and I went, "Nope," and put it down. And then I had to come back to it because once it became patron pick. And then so starting around page twenty six on your digital readers, about halfway through, is when it becomes more more of a traditional comic story, where we meet. Um, uh, uh, Hippolyta before she's Hippolyta she's, right. in, she's in Greece there isn't even a Themyscira at this point yet and that's what because of much traditional storytelling and that's what I liked it more mm-hmm. like I, I, I didn't I just I, I did not like the first half at all and I liked the second half more I thought it was beautiful I think the whole book is beautiful we can talk about that in a second but you know it's much more traditional comic book panel to panel storytelling as opposed to just a lot of pinups in the first half and uh, I, th- I, I just think what, however long this took Phil Jimenez, and I know he's not, I don't think he's drawing this entire thing. Um, I think this is, this is a spectacular work from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I think the coloring also, there's three colors here. It's very unusual, sort of bright and colorful in a lot of places. And there's just incredible costume design. I think from an art standpoint, I, I find no fault in this. It's just the, the story is tough. For me, I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not entirely sure who. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's an audience for this thing, but it seems like it's it. What we were talking about earlier when we were talking about Fantastic Four, like I was like, there was just nothing fun about this. It felt a little bit like an armchair version of trying to make social issues get into these Greek gods things, which is you know that's fair. That happens with sort of mythologies and stuff like that. But did it really? bring anything to the table i mean uh i i can't i can't tell you i can't come to this from a perspective of a woman necessarily um sure. but i don't think i don't know it didn't, it didn't seem all that uh interesting you know or it was just and it was so overwrought I just you like, know Ugh. i think i wonder what this book is like if you chop out the first section I think it's stronger. It's still, it is stronger. It's still not something I really care about all that much because at the end of the day, no, it's not it's your kind a, of thing. But I think it's a Wonder Woman book, though. It's just a lot of people posing, 
It's a lot of people standing mm-hmm. around posing in the first half in double page spreads with with and it's very not a story. No, it's a lot of super important overwrought dialogue, and it's just like I just like is this the whole thing? Because I, I, I kept looking, it's fifty four pages. Is this is this the whole thing? Is it like this the whole way through? I'm never gonna make it. Yeah, and luckily it I didn't. Did but, but I did. I flip. I flip, like because you can see the page view on Comicsology, and I was like, oh god, there's panels. Let's just get to that point. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I do think it's a much stronger book. It's it, it tells the same things. It talks about the plight of women and how horrible it has been throughout throughout history in the same way, but through a story as opposed to just these gods talking about it, which is much more interesting to me than, you know, the, mm-hmm. the story of the second half is there's a birthing center and this family's had its third daughter, and they don't want a third daughter. They can't afford it. Someone with a dowry, they can't afford, and so they they want to send her off. For, uh, it's called exposure, you know, to expose one to the world. They put the I, the girl in the basket and send her off on the river with a coin. And if the gods I deem liked her, her worthy, she'll survive. Yeah. And if not, she won't. That's the way they talk. They I liked her justification today. for that. I liked her justification for that a lot, and then. Her change of heart. I thought that that was maybe the strongest moment in the entire book mm-hmm. because you know, like she, you know, he said, "Well, we believe in the gods. We we believe that uh, if this is happening, it will work out correctly." And then, like the reality of everything floods in, and she turns around, and it's too late. She's failed at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that has a real humanity and a thing, you know, to it. So that that was that was strong. Right. And that's why I thought the second half tells you the same things. Then the first half is unnecessary for me. For me, yeah, and you know, then she, then she, you know, in her in her desperate attempt to find this little girl, she, she's running for months and months and months, and runs runs into some bad dudes, but those dudes are dispatched by one of the tribes, one of the, one of the Amazon by, tribes who live by badder ladies in the uh, in the wilderness. So, but at the <laughs> end of the day, is this going to be just like a revenge tale? I don't know. Like, like. Like do the tough women uh, to turn around and avenge uh, the evil men, and then well, form at some point they leave. At some point they go, they, they'll, right. they'll go to Themyscira, okay. which doesn't exist yet. So I don't know. But what is what is that? I, you know what I think bothered me so much, perhaps more than any other boring comic books that I've read, is that there was so much effort put into so much of it that w- wasn't rewarding. You know, like that first part, like there was so much effort put into it. They worked really hard on that. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, and it was a slog. It was like, it was like prog rock. Like, you just. It was. I mean, like, there was some beautiful things here and the way that he changes his style mm-hmm. and draws like, you know, pottery from Greece looks like, it doesn't look like drawing. Like, there's beautiful stuff in here. And at some point, you know, there's like a. You know hieroglyphics that he's like. It's all the the work that Jimenez is doing in the first half is just just out of this world. It's just not in service of anything interesting. I mean, but it's still to me. It, it you know that wow, that's really good. I don't enjoy it at all. So, you know, the, there's there's craft versus communication, and you know he didn't have he didn't have the skeleton to hang it on. But I also wouldn't be surprised if this book wins Eisner's. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I and I and I wonder like, well, what am I missing? Am I tone deaf? Like, is that what's happening? I don't think so. You know, I'm fairly self aware, but I I didn't I didn't uh 
and get it. I haven't liked most of these history books because they're all, I don't know, they, they, they're leaving behind a story to try to frame something that already exists in something perhaps weightier than the material can carry, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. I, I didn't, the first half I was like, oh, I, I, I hate this. Second I was ruined half, by the time I got to the ha- second half. Second half, I was okay. like, well, that that was more interesting. I didn't mind that part. So I'm sort of a mixed bag on this. And I think the art's just spectacular. It's just I think it's just spectacular. But I've always been a big Phil Jimenez fan, so I'm not sure even how to rate this book. Mm-hmm. Ratings. You have to rate it as a whole. I know. You have to you rate have to do your it, experience it as a whole. With it. And uh, I was trying to do like math, like break it up. Each section gets its own number. Add them together, divided by the number of sections. Like I was trying to really figure this out. Um. And if the, like, I don't, I don't even want to take it to my math process. I don't. I think where I'm ending up on this out of five is somewhere in the neighborhood of two point seven five. Wow. I like the second half, and the art is beautiful. The first half I didn't like, so I think that ends up around two point seven five. I will just go ahead and say two. Okay. No, no, I'm not going to keep reading it. All right. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Wait, wait, That's wait. what you think. Are you going to read more? Oh, no, no. No. <laughs> well, mostly because I don't think Jimenez is right at drawing anymore of it. I think it's a different artist per issue. So mm-hmm. I'm out. Fair enough. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can vote out a book to the rundown. But at the $5 or higher level, get you on Superpower live on the show, like these two. Old Man Tony. Oh, boy. Old Man Tony can speak any language, but only one at a time. For a period of 24 hours. So, so okay, if he, I got it. If he needs to speak Russian, then he can speak Russian for a period of 24 hours in which he knows no other language. Oh. And then he reverts back to Wait, his Wait, he doesn't even language. know language? He just can't, or he can't speak it? Well, he, no, he, he, no, he doesn't know it, can't speak it. He's all, he's monolingual. Interesting. But can be any language for a 24 hour period. Huh. All right. Interesting. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. But it's does good for vacations. He, does, he, does he know he doesn't know it? Yes. Yes, yeah. He can, he can, it's just that he can, he can make the decision. He can say, oh, I'm going to be in Italy, so I will speak Italy for this, tw- Italy. I will speak, I'll Italy? speak Italian. F- <laughs> yeah. I speak Italy. Uh, <laughs> he will speak it for 24 hours, you know, and he can do it again. You know, right. like he can, you know, I'm there for five days. I can do it every day. But during that time, he does not know English. It's good for travel. It's not so good for, like, say that you're flipping around, right? You're flipping your channels, if that's a thing. Connor, you right. still do that, but other people don't. I do that, yeah, um, all the time, yeah. And you get to the Korean channel, right? Sure. Like, this is really interesting. I want to know what they're saying. Flips to Korean. Then he's got a day where he can't do shit else in his life unless he goes to Koreatown. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I would like to know some Spanish so that I could get through those Narcos Mako uh episodes without having to pay like rigid attention well why would you watch a tv show and not pay attention because i don't have time to actually watch a tv show for a long time and only pay so a lot of stuff i watch is sort of in the background and i can do that but i can't do it with with subtitles it's terrible for you no 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 it's it's a whole thing it's a whole thing like the stuff that i love i don't do that but stuff in mm-hmm. the middle it's fine right like i didn't uh, watch the wire like that I don't watch Succession. You can't watch Succession like that. No. You got to lock into Succession. Of course. Jakea 
Jake, yeah? Uh, Jake? That's just a, no, it's just Jake. I my fat finger. Jake, sorry. Like Jake, yeah. Is it Jake or Jake A? No, typo. Jake. Just Jake. Uh, it's a good name. Solid name. Jake can, on command, uh, produce any plumage you want. <laughs> that, by the way, is a joke fully based on the fact that the word plumage is funny. <laughs> I mean, if you, want him to, if you want him to be covered in peacock feathers, eagle, like eagle feathers, like he just will... He can't fly, but he will be covered in the plumage. Norwegian blue, lovely plumage. Yeah. So, you know, I guess he could blend into however birds use that to blend, but... You know where he would fit in well? Brazil during Carnival. Exactly. He can go to Carnival, yeah. he's got the costume. Uh, also, if you, leave, if you need feathers, he can... He can, he are, can they, are they, um, like, are they real feathers? Like it, like would they hold up to DNA testing? For all intents and purposes, they're real. I think I heard. I want to say it was a This American Life about the world of um, fly tires, like the fishing uh-huh. things. Yeah, and like there's a whole trade, and some of it is illicit in valuable sure. and rare feathers. Yeah. Um. I mean, you could like he could he could make a living doing that. You get good living. Yes, he could. Yes, absolutely. Every once in a while, you find out about a subculture, and you're like, I can't believe that. And then I'm like, Josh, you're part of several of those kinds of things. (laughs) (laughs) Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can get your power live on the show, like Old Man Tony and Jake A. Think I'm going to do one? Yes. And it's going to be from Dave. And Dave says, at the end of uh, the For Interest Forever episode... No, the Eternals, no. sorry. You were trying to come up with Avengers who have not been introduced in the movies or TV shows. While I'm sure there are others, some of which you mentioned, one of the most notable missing superheroes has to be Wonder Man. Given that the character's been around since the ninth issue of the original Avengers comic from the 1960s, it baffles me that he's gotten snubbed. That's not really a question, but I figure we can go two places. No, that, that's, hey, what's that's a good point. That was one uh, I thought of right after we did that show where we mm-hmm. were going through the Avengers who haven't been on the, in the movies yet. And that's definitely one of them. Um there's always been, you know, every time a new film comes around, there's always rumors. Everyone was convinced he was going to be in the last uh, film. I don't remember which one that was, but everyone was convinced it was going to be uh, in one of them. I don't remember which one it was, honestly. But um, I think that there's one problem with him is the name. Yeah. Um, I think that there might be reticence because of Wonder Woman. I think you could maybe get away with that character and just not really calling him that. Yeah, like that's sort what of they, they use way around just call him Simon. But and then at some point somebody will make a joke. You know, yeah. he's a real Wonder Man, and you call you know that that kind of be it. I think you could do it that way. Um, I mean, I guess uh, you already have Captain Marvel, but like the old Captain Marvel, if there was some way, right? Or um, but Wonder, Wonder Man um, is a good one, and I think he's an interesting yeah. character. Um, and you know. Hollywood loves characters about Hollywood. He's an actor. He's a movie mm-hmm. star. So, although they just did that with Eternals, so I don't know. It's it, it is a good it is a good choice. It is a good choice. I'm trying to. It's really hard because they kind of they kind of blew their load. Like they put they all the big ones are out there now, and now when it's like, what are you going to do for the next one? Uh, oh, you got a bunch of you know, I, I'm not even B teams, but if we've seen they can also make that work. But you know the harder. thing. I'll keep going back to Wonder Man. The thing that's interesting is, you know, they changed the Vision's origin. 
for the films, obviously, because they, mm-hmm. they there's a lot you had to introduce before that if you were going to do it, the, the comic origin. And Wonder Man being so inextricably linked to the Vision, mm-hmm. and then therefore in a love triangle with the Vision, was a very interesting thing about Wonder Man. And so you lose that yeah. because he's no longer... You know, the Vision's no longer really using Wonder Man's brainwaves or whatever his personality, whatever to, you know they did back then. So he loses that connection to the characters. Um, you, you know I mean, what's what's really interesting is that at some point Wonder Man died. He died a couple times, but like when he transformed into like his ionic. Well, he's, a, he's a man being. of he's a man of made of power, right? So he's a man of right. he's not like a real so he can't really die. I never really understood that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, like it's one of those things like they talk about it. I'm like I'm not sure what that is or why. So I just kind of skip past it. But it's almost like they're trying to say like he's like a he's like a thing. He's he's right. kind of not a human anymore, and and I. Uh, I, I don't think that really stuck. I don't think that really works. Yeah, he's, um, he has been... I, I always liked Wonder Man growing up in those Avengers mm-hmm. books. He was a big part of all those books. You know, his friendship with the Beast was awesome. Like, I always liked him. Uh, and then I liked his... You know, I liked him in the West Coast Avengers. I, I, I read his solo book. Like, I was, a, I was always a Wonder Man fan. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, it just feels like they didn't know what to do with him anymore. And... They made him pacifist, and that got really stupid and boring. Because every time he'd show up, he'd be like, "We don't have to fight." He'd be like, "This is a book about fighting," <laughs> you know. Like, I think you know one of the things that that sort of happened almost as in the first wave of sort of Netflix Marvel shows and Hulu and whatever they were putting them on. They used up a bunch of those characters that they should, you know, yeah. like it'd be cool if they had them around, like you know, Cloak and Dagger or even yeah. even Daredevil. How about this one? Jim Hammond. Now that's going to create confusion with if, if there's a Fantastic Four movie coming out or whatever. Right. But they sort of missed their chance. I mean, he he has that cameo in the background of the first Captain America film in the World's Fair, but mm-hmm. um, they kind of they missed should, their chance. That'd be a great character because that's like Marvel. You know, Marvel Comics yeah. number one. It's a Human Torch. He's right on there. Simon is made of ionic energy. Yeah, I, uh, that was just like a thing at one point. Like, he's not human anymore. And I was like, right. oh, I yeah. don't know what that gives me. Like, they're not really playing into like, I've, I'm not. I, but he also kind of always was, he's kind of always a sad sack character in a way. Or at least that's when he was most compelling, I guess. But I, I, I don't know. They don't need that in Marvel. He was such a such a pillar of the team for so long. Sure. And then they made him... You know, they, they didn't know what to do around. with him, and so yeah, they, 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 didn't know they started throwing a bunch of shit at the wall, hoping yeah. it would stick. And, it, and instead, it just muddled the character to a certain extent. And now his biggest thing—and I'm not immune to this—is like, oh, he's wearing the safari jacket. You know, like that's that's the exciting <laughs> thing about him, which shouldn't necessarily be the case. I, 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 they could totally do him in the films or TV shows. They just haven't done him for whatever reason, and I don't know what that is. But it's a good one. Dave is totally right. It's a good one. He's he is he is he's been around since issue nine. You know. Cap's only yep. been on the team since issue four. So he's only beaten by five issues. Yeah. I think Cap may have made a larger impact. I get, I get you. I'm saying, what I'm saying is he's a long-time character <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the team. It's true. And he's got a cool, ridiculous comic book origin story. Yeah. You know, like his brother is a supervillain, and he was trying to get him resurrected, and he was a villain, and then he wasn't. Back then, a lot of folks were villains before they were heroes. It was like Wonder Man... 
okay. Hawkeye, Vision and Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch. Not Vision, uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Like that was a thing. You started off as a bad guy and you became a good guy, which is very interesting how often that happened during that time period. Yeah, and just think about like the dynamic. I always think about the d- dynamics in an Avengers team, like a guy whose brother is a supervillain, mm-hmm. who is a movie star, and therefore you can play around with those jokes a lot. Like that's all that could be interesting on the team. Uh, the movie star superhero, I think, has that been? Has well, again, like been the Eternals, they did it with Eternals. Nah, but who cares? That's yeah. not going to be remembered. It's not on the Avengers, you know, and right. um. Also, we're talking about Kamel, I guess. So, but he was sort of famous in part of the world, but not the whole world. He's not Brad True. Pitt. He's right, something right. else. So you could get away with it. I wrote a, I did a pitch once about like a, um, a Brad Pitt type character who was also like a super spy. Mm-hmm. I think it was the they idea did, they did that book. In. Yeah, I know they did it later, but I, I wrote that pitch before that. I have the documents <laughs> to prove it. <laughs> All right, contactedbyfanboy.com. You can talk, You can write us in for this show or for the media split. If it's for the media split, write it media split in the title or the subject line. And uh, thanks for everyone who wrote in. Um, let's talk about the end of the year quickly before we wrap up. So we've had a lot of shows between uh, the last couple. In the last couple of weeks, we have a lot of shows to put out. We've put out already our Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings review, our Eternals review, our final media split of the year. And just behind this show, this just this past week, our books blowed on Avengers Forever that Josh and I uh, talked about. Had a great, had great fun reading, great fun reviewing. So those those shows are all back on the feed. We still have more shows coming out. We only have one more pick of the week show this year, but we have four more shows coming out uh, next week or this coming week. We have our ne- our final books blowed of the year on the death of Captain Marvel, which we're going to which the uh, classic uh, Marvel story, which neither of us had read before. So we're going to talk about that. <laughs> And we're talking about the version that just came out relatively recently, and it, it contains basically three stories. And I very much recommend that you read that version if you can. Uh, it's mm. available digitally. I'm sure you can get the book, but it's got sort of the intro of Captain Marvel and then sort of a story from the middle, uh, an Al Milgram story, I think. Uh, and then the sort of sh- sh- no, a graphic novella, The Death of Captain Marvel. Yeah. And, I, and I think that those things all work really well together. So check that out. That's coming out this week. And then on December 12th will be the final pick of the week, pick of the week 810. Well, that's our final pick of the year. Somewhere in there, there'll be a Toxplode. Yes. No comment yeah, from Josh. Uh, it, it, got, it got delayed because of family stuff, not on my side. Um, we're supposed to record it this week. Um, okay, I'm so that should be coming out on the 16th. It. And then uh, our traditional final show of the year, our All Media Year and Roundup, comes out on December 18th. And that'll take you through the holiday season. We'll be back on January 9th, pick week 11, at uh, 8.11. And then sometime in January, we'll be covering Spider-Man No Way Home. Is that the title of the movie? Yeah, anyway, the Spider-Man right. film that's coming out before the holidays, uh, we will we'll be covering in January because we're taking a break. And also, who knows what's going on with the Omicron variant and all this stuff. So uh, should we get to see it? We'll be covering in January. Fair enough. Because we'll, we'll see at some point. Yeah. You know. I'm excited it's all for good. it. Yeah. I love the Spider-Man movies. Go to iFanboy.com. You can find all of our shows and the history of comic book writing that we've done from all the many writers who we have employed to uh, provide that. We kept it all there. And trust me, 
They're making as much money from it as we are. That's a joke. Uh, you can go to Facebook.com slash iFanboy or follow at iFanboy on Twitter, at iFanboyComics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out so you can be prepared. You can follow us individually uh, on Instagram at CS Kilpatrick or J.A. Flanagan. You can subscribe to our YouTube page over at YouTube.com slash iFanboy, which makes perfect sense. We were able to get that because we got it a long time ago. Uh, this last week, there was a mini uh, pick of the week, Powers number 29. Uh, was that me? Yes. It feels like a me. Yep. I like how you can just look at the book title and be like, I know who did this. Uh, well, we all Sandy, loved Powers and picked it, all, all of us, but that was It's you. true, but at the later point, I think that I liked it more than, I think I was trying to like it more than Maybe. than you guys were at that point. That's my that's my guess. Uh, not early on, the first sort of chunk of it, the first volume of it, everybody was super into it, <coughs> but lost steam over the years, and I didn't want to let go. Uh, then there's two shows uh from san diego comic-con 2010 which is a painful 11 years ago uh there's robert kirkman we just did a whole episode talking to him our pal that was i think right before the show launched so that was like the last pure interview with him right yeah he was is pre-bobby hollywood i think you i think this one's the one you started calling him bobby hollywood as a joke fair enough but i don't remember Uh, i didn't watch it so i don't know but i just remember it was you and ron interviewing him together and then San Diego Comic-Con 2010, uh, part one. So we used to go to the show, and we would do interviews the whole time, and then we split them up into a couple of shows. And so uh, the first part was a bunch of interviews with people who I don't remember who they were, um, <laughs> who are much older now. And, uh, and then the first was, just, you know, we'd do one Robert Kirkman show every time. That was kind of the deal. That was, um, we had a whole crew. We had Mike Romo. We, we did this, that was the sitcom open show. Oh, nice. So that we had Mike Romo and... A bunch of people, um, but that was one of our not our last one. I think the year the next year was our last one. Two thousand eleven was our was our last. Uh, I think so. Anyway, as I said before, uh, the last upload of the full length show will happen on New Year's Eve, and then we're done with full length shows. And then uh, I did some quick back of the math uh, envelope math, and I think we have enough minis for about half of next year. So there'll still be new movies right. coming out for, for people. Why do they say back of the napkin? Isn't like, a napkin isn't a napkin normally either side? There's no front. Well, because usually if you're at like a nice bar, there's like a logo on the napkin on one side. Fair. So you need so the room. Th- so you you're flip dining it over. at the Regal Beagle. Right. You flip it and over. You need to write down yeah. a phone yeah. number. <laughs> Doesn't happen quite as often, but you know. The places where businessmen went to have martini lunches would have Logos on them. Anyway, let's finish the show. If you like the show, please leave a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever, whichever aggregator you use. Spotify. I don't even know if they do ratings and reviews on Spotify, but, you know, wherever you listen, if you can leave a rating or review, it would help the show. We do appreciate that. That's for any show you listen to. And word of mouth is great. People ask about podcasts. We always appreciate when people mention our show. We, we just thank you for helping spread the word. We do really appreciate it. And we are finished. Our second to last show of the year. We'll be back next week with our final show of the year. Until then, I'm Connor. I am Matt Damon. You sound just like Josh. (sighs) Matt Damon's an excellent actor. Now you're talking about yourself in the third person. It's all been fascinating. Wouldn't you? We're happy tonight We're walking in